All right, real quick, people, before we get into today's show, we've just released a new course, Periodization for Periods, all around how to train women around their monthly cycle, and we've got it on special. If you're interested, click the link in the show notes. You are now listening to the Fitness Education Online Podcast, the podcast where fitness professionals go to grow their fitness business. If you're in the fitness industry, you'll find tips and strategies from proven business experts. Now, let's start the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Fitness Education Online Podcast. I'm super excited because we've got a very special guest today. Um, So a little bit about this person. He's the founder of Gym Launch, one of the most successful gym growth consultancies in the world. He's also the owner of a supplement company, Prestige Labs, and he's the... um, author of two best-selling books now, Gym Launch Secrets and $100 Million Offers. I'd like to introduce you to the one and only, Alex Hermosi. How are you going, Alex? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Honored to be here. Amazing. So, Alex, we like to start our podcast with um, a quote or mantra that fires you up or inspires you. Do you have one for us? Sure. Um, I, got, I saw this from Shane Parrish. It was, I actually don't know who he is, but it was shared to me, and I just liked it a lot. Um, 90% of success can be boiled down to consistently doing the obvious thing for an uncommonly long period of time without convincing yourself that you're smarter than you are. Amazing. Love that. Um, so, Alex, I'm going to hand it over to you. You're obviously ridiculously successful. Um, helped a lot of gym owners, you know, every trick in the book when it comes to running a gym. Um, I'd love to hear your story, like how you got to where you're at at the moment? Well, um, I did the obvious thing for an uncommonly long period of time, and I tried to not convince myself that I was smarter than I was. Um, I actually think there's a lot of truth to that in terms of why we've been disproportionately successful compared to the people who have entered this space. So um, I was a management consultant for two years out of college, um, or uni, I think, as, uh, as it said. Um, and uh, I really hated that job. And so I started, I figured I would do something that I enjoyed, uh, which was fitness at the time. I didn't know anything about business, but I thought that if you knew something about fitness, then therefore you would be okay having a fitness business. Um, as we all know that that was a shocking, you know, shocking reality. That that reality was shaken, right? Uh, with true reality. Um, and I ended up starting my first gym. Um, and from there, I slept on the floor for nine months, um, but the gym was profitable um, from the first month going forward. Uh, opened up uh, five more locations after that. Each one opened at full capacity, which was something I became somewhat known for. So opened up um, each gym completely um, without actually putting any money down, which was kind of a, a cool thing that I can talk about later. But uh, we opened it up using a process we call client finance acquisition, which basically just means we have a negative acquisition cost, uh, which means that <laughs> that our cash conversion cycle is very fast, which means that when we put a dollar into advertising, we get more than a dollar back and a customer within our first 30 days. And so by doing that, it eliminates capital or cash on hand as a constraint for growth. And so by doing that, we were able to basically put no money in, let the advertising and the, the sales fund themselves to get new customers and then fill the gym up off of other people's dollars. And that's been more or less the methodology that I've used to grow every business that we have in our portfolio. Um, and uh, from there, I started doing gym turnarounds uh, after I had the six gyms. I uh, did that for just under two years. We turned around 33 gyms. We'd fly out and we'd fill them up the same way. Um, fix the pricing, fix the model, teach a bunch about fulfillment and retention. We just try and crash course the gym owner in, in 21 days or so. And then um, that got a little bit arduous flying around the country. And so uh, I was actually about to quit the gym business and just do something and actually just sell direct weight loss because we knew how to do it and just take out the, the middleman or so to say. Um, and so in a fit of frustration. And I said, I would sell my secrets um, to the, the gym, the eight gyms that were supposed to launch the next month. Um, and the actual conversation didn't, wasn't nearly as well planned as that. I just said, Hey, I'm not going to fly out. Sorry. And they were like, we really need this. And I said, yeah, sorry. Um, and they were like, well, can you just show me how to do it? And, uh, and I was like, fine, but I don't want to do this. And so I, they said, well, how much? And I picked a number as high as I could at the time um, because I wanted them to say no. And so I think I ended up tricking myself into selling something high ticket because I just didn't want them to say yes. And it ended up, they ended up saying yes. And uh, the first sale was $6,000. And so I was mind blown. And I called the second guy who was supposed to launch the next month and same conversation. And since I already had to make the first one, I was like, well, let's see what I can get. So I, I said, eight grand. He said, okay. And I was like, holy shit. And so I ended up making, um, I ended up calling the other guys and 
made $60,000 in a day. And I was like, holy cow, like there's something <laughs> here. And so then I called up the other 33 gyms that I had already filled up and said, Hey, remember that thing I did? I want me to show you how I did it. And they said, yeah. And so um, that was kind of the pivot from flying out and doing a done for you model to a done with you model, which is what became our first big business, which is gym launch um, over the next, you know, we finished that year and the next 12 months after that, we did 28 million um, in revenue and 17 million in profit. And then from there, we started our supplement company, which sold through the distribution of gyms and prestige lab started its first month at 1.7 million a month. Um, from there, we started a software company called Allen, um, which took about a year to build. And then when we launched it, um, took six months to get to actually again, 1.7 million a month. Um, and that ended up becoming an agency software rather than a gym software. Uh, cause it actually worked for all brick and mortar businesses. So we scaled that. Um, and then, uh, my wife and I started acquisition.com, which is the company that we're kind of chairmans of now, um, where we just take, uh, minority positions in companies that we find interesting that are fast growth that are doing at least 5 million a year. We want to get to 10 or 20, et cetera. And so, uh, that's the, the, the short, as short as I could make it for, uh, from where we were to where we are now. Amazing. Um, so like run me through, I guess, like marketing for gyms. Like what do you find like is working at the moment? I have no idea. No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like four levels removed from that. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I would imagine it has something to do with a defined period of time uh, with a goal or promise that is desirable to somebody uh, like a 28 day bikini blueprint you know what i mean or a uh, big booty boot camp for six weeks or a six-week challenge or whatever it is you know the flavor of the month changes all the time but the the core the core of the business and the sales process always remains unchanged um and so we tend to sell the goal we add accountability into the services so they can sell for a premium with higher margins um, we bolt on uh, nutrition and supplements as the second sale as soon as someone comes into a facility which usually doubles the ltv the customer and allows us to cash flow the acquisition meaning if we paid X to get the person in the door with the next 48 hours, we'll usually be able to recoup that cost on supplement sales alone um, so that we can, again, try and recoup our cash so that we don't have uh, growth as a constraint on the business. And so um, in terms of the actual promotion, I don't know, but in terms of uh, the fundamentals that create the promotion, they're always the same. So while, while we're on the, on the, on the marketing um kind of topic and stuff. I'm listening. Hi, I'm David. I'm joining in as a little co-host today. Claudia will introduce me. So like, who the hell is this guy? Um, you know, I was really curious about the story, Alex, is is the gym turnaround you did. You went and, you know, you filled the gyms in, in 21 days and, and out you went. And to my knowledge at the time, um, the big lead gen strategy, and correct me if I'm wrong, there's a lot of Facebook advertising. I've, I've heard your story talk about learning from like Travis Jones, another Aussie down here, who taught yeah. you a little bit about getting getting kicked on with that. And um, and even Sam Bacto, sadly passed mm-hmm. away and stuff. I've learned a lot from them. Um, and that was the big way to, to fill the gyms in a short space of time. I know you're a bit removed from the current climate. Do you do you see like that whole big influx of members in a short space of time still something that's feasible with I guess the you know like the increase in market sophistication, so to speak, you know, around gyms and you can't just run you know sometimes generic ads fall a little bit more flat now. Is it something that you think was was it something that really worked hard at the time for those those variables, or still something that is almost like very doable now for people who might have gyms out there and are like, Oh, you know, this guy still gyms yeah. in 30 days. I can't get 10 leads at the moment. Totally. I think that the, the complexity hasn't changed at all. I think that the cost has changed. So the process remains the same. It's just that the cost per acquisition used to be $20 and now it's $200. And most people don't have that kind of cash on hand. And so that's the issue. If I still wanted gotcha. to fill a gym, I could, I just wouldn't be spending $2,000 to fill a gym. I'd have to spend 20 grand. Gotcha. Gotcha. Good. And, 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 I, and, I, the, and most gyms aren't going to drop that on the month. Of course, of course, sure. I guess it, it plays into the importance of everything else you talked about about two minutes ago of increasing the, the value of the customers so that you can facilitate Pay those increased up, upfront costs. Correct. This is yeah, it's interesting. I, I've I've had those. I've, I've had two. I've got two gyms myself, and I was marketing back, you know, sort of five six years ago in the golden days. And it's interesting seeing how it's changed, but like it still works. As you were saying it works just okay. to a lesser degree i think what so as, as 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 we've aged in business overall uh my perspective on legion has also shifted um and so for the audience this may be useful but there are there are six ways to get customers we just talked about one which is paid advertising the second way is through earned media which is if you have some sort of following 
um, when you post on a platform. That is a way of generating inquiries. The third way is through owned media. So lists that you have inside of your it's basically permissioned contact. So anybody that follows you on Instagram has already given you permission to message them. Anybody who's a friend of your on Facebook has given you permission to message them. Anybody who's in your phone has given you permission to message them. Anybody who's on your email list has given you permission to message them. So most people are like, well, where do I get leads? And you already have 6,000 and you have never worked them. So that's owned media. The, the, the fourth is uh, manual outreach. So that's cold calls, cold emails, cold DMs, et cetera, where you're this is per, it's non-permissioned, right? You're reaching out, you're interrupting them. But again, through one-on-one communication. The fifth way is through affiliates. So people who already have the pools of customers that, that you seek or that you want and creating win-win uh, partnerships with those people through fully integrating. So for example, two of the companies that we own um, are built almost exclusively off of affiliates. And so it's a very strong strategy and it also can create tremendous um, foundational strength within a business. So it, it makes the business very enduring. The sixth um, is word of mouth and referrals, which is your existing customer base. Now, as I was saying in the beginning of this, the, the shift that I've had in business has gone from, I was 100% a paid guy. Most people probably know me as a paid guy. Um, but as things have changed for me, I have shifted more to the second set of three, the four, five, and six, the manual outreach affiliates and word of mouth over paid earned node. And I see that because they're more enduring. They are less variable um, and they are a little bit slower to grow. But once they, once they are in place, it's very hard to break them. And so that is what ultimately creates an enterprise that has value. It also creates something that is truly a business and not a job that the owner has made for themselves. And so as, as my beliefs have shifted, Jim Launch itself has become far more reliant on other acquisition streams and so too have our customers because we teach all of those ways of getting customers so that they can have a variety of ways that they can consistently generate leads at low cost. Yeah, that's, that's really, that's really fascinating to see a shift. And we, and, and certainly even in Australia, we saw the ads when Jim Morton was kicking off constantly here in the newsfeed. So it's, it's, we definitely saw you in the paid man, but um, really fascinating. If you were talking, I know you're super removed from Jim launch operations and stuff, but the audience listening to this is, is fitness professionals and a lot of them still uh, trying to earn their straps at boot camps or PT and things like that. Do you have a recommendation? Because I know you've talked about on other stuff, generally to get to a million dollars, it's one channel, do one channel well, instead of trying to do all six, because that can be super overwhelming. Trying to do totally. all six. Um, do you have one at the moment that you do typically say, look, this is the channel that I recommend, or it's probably business co- like contextual, but let's say fitness, you got a boot camp, you're a PT, you're a studio. Yeah. Is there one you'd normally go for? Yeah, so... Thank you for bringing it up. So I bring those up, the six that I mentioned earlier, as the different ways to do it. Now, that doesn't mean that everyone does all six. <laughs> uh, if anything, they have the ability to do all six, and then they go on on one that, that best suits their personality, skill sets, character traits, et cetera. And so for most fitness professionals, um, using an outbound strategy or using an affiliate strategy, in my opinion, if I were starting over, would be where I would start because they are basically no cost. Um, I mean, affiliates are essentially no cost and the manual outreach. If it's you, it's, it's your time, which does have a cost on it, but it's going to be still lower. Your cost of acquisition is still going to be lower than uh, on paid ads right now. Now, the, the thing with that is, and I had, I was speaking at a, at a mastermind um, and a girl in the audience when I was, when I brought up manual outbound was like, I need a more scalable way um, to acquire customers. And I said, why do you think manual outbound isn't scalable? She's like, well, you know, it's me. And I was like, have you thought of hiring someone to do that for you? Have you thought of hiring two people to do that for you? Have you thought about hiring 20 people to do that for you? It's 100% scalable. It's just not scalable in the way that ads, you can just double the ad spend. But it tends to be more reliable because your mental outbound is not going to get shut down. Right? Yeah. Whereas your ad account get shut down, your ads can get rejected, or they might not get reached, or the, ad, the cost might spike, or blah, blah, blah. There's many things that can happen. Whereas the reason I said earlier, like, I, I lean more towards these things because they're unbreakable. And an unbreakable acquisition stream is a great thing to have a biz- in a business. Let's take a quick break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist 
playlist right now. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I love that. I, I, well, while, while we're on that, like, because this will be super relevant for people who are like going light bulbs, like, oh, that's that's amazing. I found can actually scale with more people. Do you have simple frameworks? I'm sure you teach us in a lot of depth, but do you have any simple frameworks for how to do that? Because we, we've all seen the ads or stuff where people try to try to sort of downplay outbound and go, you don't want to be that um, sort of like cringy guy in the DMs just reaching out to people. And that's kind of the, the angle a lot of people play is like the, the anti angle, like trying to say that's bad. So we'll teach you ads. Um, do you have any any sort of thoughts on doing that in a way that is um, yeah, not cringy, but just a framework that makes that effective? Totally. Yeah, I mean, you just, A, don't act like a creep in general. Um, B, realize the biggest companies in the world have built themselves that way. And C, when you do the reach out, don't ask them to immediately become a customer, which is what is what gets the cringe, right? Instead, just ask them if they know anybody who needs help doing this thing. And then you're not soliciting them, you're just asking them, somebody who doesn't know them if they know anyone and if they're like and nine times out of ten they'll be like no i don't know anyone but i might be interested and then you can pursue the conversation <laughs> interesting so you realize you that's indirect, do, indirect yeah you can also do a hinge method which is what we call which is you know you'll make some sort of post of some kind where you'll have your customer make a post of some kind and any person that likes or comments on their post not yours but on their post then you do a hinge which means you have a three-person conversation you message the person who, who is your client and then you message the person who's not your client, which means that also not go into their outbox because they're friends with one of the people and then you introduce yourself. Right. And then that way they also won't be weird because the friends there. So they'll be a little bit more polite and not say to fuck off. <laughs> um, and then you have a little bit of social pressure where if you have any kind of salesmanship, you'll be like, Hey, when am I going to see you? Hillary here misses you. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, I've been meaning to get in the gym. It's like, well, shoot, well, why don't you come by tonight? And Hillary's watching, right? And so they don't want to look like fat asses. They're like, yeah, I guess I should come by. And if they don't show up, you're like, hey, yeah, you missed. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's just, it's just, it's just, and candidly, <laughs> I wouldn't recommend getting your, your marketing recommendations from what someone's trying to sell you in, in a 30 second cut. Yeah. Sure. yeah obviously, yeah. They, are not, they are not an unbiased party. No, no, of course not. Of course, not. I just they're going to be selling a specific method that they've figured out to scale to 10k a month online. Um, yeah, you know, and be like everybody else who doesn't amount to anything. Well, um, like outbound, how many people like do you recommend reaching? Obviously, as many as possible, but like, what's kind of like that number? That's yeah, and you'll usually be limited by the platforms. So. Oh, Right. So you'll usually be limited by the platforms. Um, I'm pretty sure that most of them is about 50 a day in a 24 hour period. And that's for people who don't already have a connection with you. Mind you, what I said earlier, most people have 2000, 3000, 5000 leads that have already given them permission. And on those leads, you don't have a cap. So in terms of my recommendation, what is your patience level or what is your level of aggression and violence that you would like to execute? How quickly would you like to see your goal? <laughs> One of the rules that I use is the rule of 100, which is either spend $100 a day on advertising or do 100 reach outs a day. I guarantee you that in 30 days, you will get customers. Promise. That's good. good. Cool. I like it. Are you going to say something, Dave? I was going to say, I like it. It's a simple rule for people out there listening. Because you hear someone like, you hear Alex on the scale, he does things that it can be overwhelming. So to bring it down to like, do 100, right? It's like, in the, it's like in the gym. So you don't, don't, don't go look at the biggest bodybuilder ever and be like, I want to look like that. It's like, what's, a, what's my workout today? How many sets? How many reps? Okay, I can do that today. It's like, it seems achievable as opposed to, all right, I need to message my 5,000 friends on Facebook tomorrow. Um, shit. <laughs> what, and I've got to train clients and I've got to do the other stuff. So, so all of 100. Yeah, I think what ends up happening is a lot of people it's are looking for tactics. So I like it. Yeah, I think a lot of people are looking for tactics when... Candidly, as like the more I, you know, we've had five. Um, no, we've had forty three hundred gyms, you know, gym owners that we've that we've worked with. So we, I feel like I have a decent ability to to make this statement, um, which is most times people are successful or not successful, be, not because of the tactics, but because of their own interpersonal issues. And so right now, if you needed to make a sale, or your kid or your wife would die, you would find a way to make a sale. And so then the question just remains: Why aren't you doing the thing that you already know you should be doing, but aren't? Right. Like, I mean, right now, all you have to do is spend your first. I mean, if you actually spent whoever's listening to this, you, you spent 60 minutes every day, no matter what prospecting, I guarantee you'd have a full roster. 
Guaranteed. And if, if you need to pay $10,000 for, for someone to hold you accountable on that, then do it, whatever. But like at the end of the day, like that's what has to happen. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, why aren't you? And then if, if you, then you figure out why you aren't, yeah. you can try and confront that issue and solve it because that's not the problem. It's not that you lack tactics, right? It's like every, every girl knows how to lose weight. Stop eating and move, right? The tactics are simple, right? Like if you want, <laughs> I had a client who lost a ton of weight by putting a, a scale in front of her refrigerator. And every week she said it had to be two pounds less. And so she wouldn't eat until she was two pounds less. And then every time if she had anything below two pounds is what she would, she would grab it, sit on the scale, and then she would eat it, which makes no sense from a caloric standpoint. A hundred percent, it makes no sense. But from a, from a purely logical standpoint, if she was ever over, she wouldn't eat until she had enough room to literally have the weight of the food, which means water was very expensive, right? <laughs> and so like people are looking for some crazy tactics when the reality is that they're just not committed. Mm. Mm. It's, yeah. It's, it's, something, it's, it's something I've thought about a lot because I've, I've done a lot of different programs and you, you see a lot of people go through the same program and then there's some people up here who get amazing results and some people who just fall flat. And as you said, the, the difference is often the, the interpersonal stuff and the, and the character traits as you talk about a lot being a, is that surprising? a, a huge part of anyone's success. Is that surprising that though? I said, is that surprising? That's well? it's, look, I guess now it's, def- look, now it's, now it's definitely not in, 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 in a little bit of hindsight, but I think... I think I was, I was in a couple of masterminds and the promise to all of them coming in was the same. You're going to reach the height of heights and they'd use, they'd use their top. It's the thing I, I actually respect about what you do a lot is you always talk about averages. You talk about the average client does this. It's because every program I've ever talked to the person trying to sign me up, it's here's what the top performers did. And people come in with that expectation and they don't have, you know, as, as you talk about the character traits or the beliefs to do that. And they, they fall to the, they fall to the level of their, you know, character traits as opposed to the, lofty goals that, that anyway so um it's it's a really good way you stress that yeah think about the education system is anyone ever had why does not every single grade have everyone getting a's i don't understand it's human nature yeah everything's on a bell curve you're gonna have really low performance you're gonna have outliers i do think it's a mistake from a marketing perspective of those companies to make those as the the claims and that's where i think a lot of people are upset with the quote guru community is because they don't talk about averages, which we've tried to you know, make a very big stance on why we talk about averages. Because mm. it also means that half the people do less than that. It also means half the people do more than that, right? That is the average, yeah, right? Yeah. If you, want, you can also throw the medians in there because maybe you have one guy who crushes it so hard that the average gets moved up. So it's like, it's good to show both. And those about those is because averages aren't that good which is also why they don't make as much money as quote gurus because the vast majority of their clients, A, don't stay and B, don't refer. Let's take a quick break. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Amen. Yeah. I think it just builds a lot of, a lot of um, skepticism and people actually investing in stuff that could help them because they got burned by that one person that did promise. And it's sad because, you know, investing in learning the skills is any way people are going to grow. Let I think shifting from the, from the marketing to the, oh, you guys still got me? Yeah. Yep. yeah sorry. My internet connection. Shifting from the marketing to the, to more the sales stuff. Alex has just released or very recently released a, an amazing book, hundred million dollar offers. I believe it's called Alex. That's, yeah. that's the name, right? That is the name. I smashed through it in about. I smashed through it in about. He's holding up right now. It's very beautiful and purple with some American dollar dues on there. I smashed through it in about two or three days. I could barely put it down. I was, it's one of those books I just sent a screenshot of like every third page to my business friends. Like, check this <laughs> amazing book. And it's more, this one, this is more focused on, as I'm just the offers behind the marketing. What we talk about there is how do you get the eyeballs and bring them through? Yeah. Um, where this talks more about the offer. For someone now who's sort of, okay, they understand the acquisition, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. You know, the principle around $100 million, $100 million offers in general is, is make them offers so good they can't say no. 
how do you yeah. do you think a lot of general personal trainers boot camps kind of don't really understand actually offering something that is is above and beyond because i think there's a, you could probably say 80 percent of fitness people just offer the same thing like come train with me it's pretty much their offer for a lot of people um i think it's 95 95 99.67 <laughs> i don't think one bit. out of five i don't think one out of five is a creative offer <laughs> i think it's much less than that um okay. Yes, I think absolutely they should be thinking about their offer. And candidly, most businesses you can track. I mean, the reason it's the first in a, in a, in a 10 book series that, that, that I'll be releasing over the next few years is that whenever I'm so right now, you know, we've purchased, um, you know, percentages in, in three other businesses. So we have six businesses in our portfolio. And the first and easiest thing that I can do beyond pricing changes um, is improving the actual offer itself. Because if we can improve the offer itself, everything improves. We get higher response rates on the ads. We get uh, higher show rates. We get higher close rates. We get more referrals. We get higher price points because we can justify those higher price points. So like everything compounds when the thing actually is what people want. And that's the reality is that most people don't actually have product market fit. So they think they do because they look around and say, that's what everyone else is doing, but everyone else is broke. So why would we look at them? (laughs) And so if, you know, like no one wants training, right? People want a fast and easy and effortless way to look a certain way. That is what they want. Training is just a vehicle, right? Mm. You can also do Weight Watchers or, you know, whatever you guys have in, you know, down under. You've got nutrition programs. You've got meal plans. You've got, there's a million things they could do. They could do liposuction. They could buy an ebook. Like there's a lot of different things they could do. The question is, what is the best thing for them that is going to be the fastest, the least effort, you know what I mean? And highest likelihood that they're going to get there, which is ultimately going to be the thing that's going, that they're going to deem the most valuable. And so as a thought experiment for everyone who's listening, imagine that you sign someone up and you just said, um, I guarantee, so let's say a girl's 200 pounds and she wants to get to 150 or stones or whatever the, whatever the, the unit of metric is. Um, and you say, cool. I will guarantee you that you will get to 150 pounds by X date um, or I'll pay for all the programming that you gave me. How hard do you think it would be to A, attract clients and B, sell them? Not hard, right? And so that is a, that is a kind of like a maxed out example, right? And on top of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to work out with you at your house, right? I'm going to go into your home and clean your pantry out and we're going to go grocery shopping together and I'm going to show you how to cook the food. I'm going to do all these things, right? So the likelihood that this person feels like this is going to happen based on the guarantee and the offer itself is very high that they're going to be successful. We'd also probably be able to charge a lot more than $99 a month for that, right? So the question is, of those things, which ones of these things can we back off of a little bit and still create a margin, right? Now, that being said, you could still charge 10 grand a month and have one person who does that with you. Not necessarily a bad business, it's different, right? And so if that is the extreme example where someone's like, I'm definitely going to be successful if I sign up for this, right? And just FYI, there's always a market for ultra premium. Like there is somebody who has more than way more money than you who wants this problem solved in the easiest, fastest, less, like, least effort way they possibly can and have a high likelihood that they're going to be successful because they don't want to do this more than once, right? So that person does exist and there's many of them that exist because weight loss is a, or weight gain or being fat is a lot of pain for a lot of people. And so we have to, we have to recognize that. So if you were to say that is on one extreme, the question is where does your solution sit on that, on that continuum? Is it further you know, is it further towards like low likelihood of success, lots of effort and sacrifice, takes forever to get there? Well, I would say that just saying, hey, you can work out at my boot camp and nothing else is probably as far out there as it gets on the other direction, right? The, the, the effort is going to be, I have to show up three, five days a week. So that's time that I'm going to have to give. I'm going to have to be sore, right? I'm going to I'm gonna have to sweat and feel uncomfortable. I'm going to have to worry about getting injured. I'm going to feel embarrassed because I'm out of shape and I shouldn't be wearing these clothes right? How long is it going to take? Am I going to be in shape next week? No, you'll maybe get in shape in 12 months, maybe 18 months. But that's also if you stop eating all the food that you like, you have to learn how to cook stuff. Your family's going to hate you because they're not going to want to eat the food you have, right? So like now, now I don't really think I'm going to be successful. So my perceived likelihood of achievement is very low. And people somehow wonder, why aren't people buying from me? And so we have to solve that by looking at those variables in the equation and trying to come up with an offer that actually will get them to their thing with a high degree of likelihood. Right. And just honestly, just provide more value. And by doing that, you will have a much better business. Most people just don't have product market fit because they're not innovative. Mm. But yeah, that was, that was just on the money. You should, selling anti-fitness. It was, it was a new skill of Alex. 
Well, I think just to, to wrap that up in a nice bow, in the, in the book, which again, I highly recommend anyone of any, of any level read, you've got the value equation, which is probably the, the, the thing that I took the most screenshots of and sent to people like I joked about. Um, run us through that value equation because it kind of summarizes what you've gone through there because um, it's such a beautiful way to, yeah, wrap so, up. So a lot of people, so price is what you pay, value is what you get, right? And a lot of people talk about providing value, but no one defines it. And so it's very difficult to provide something you can't even define. And so my effort in the book was to define what is value. And so to me, value is a combination of four things. It is first, what is the dream outcome? It's the thing that we are selling where we're trying to take them and experience they actually desire, right? So for example, if I had a guy, right? If I were to say, hey, I can make you wealthy versus I can make you handsome, most guys would value getting wealthy more than they would value getting handsome because within our society at current time, being wealthy probably confers more status to men than being handsome does, right? And so between two different categories, of products, those products that will make you wealthy in general will be priced higher. Number two is perceived likelihood of achievement, which is how likely do I believe that if I buy this thing, the, I will actually experience the benefit that I want, right? So here's a simple example. If you were, I'll use a weight loss example. Let's say you're going to a surgeon, you want to get liposuction, all right, which is where they suck fat out of you. If one surgeon is doing their first surgery and another surgeon is on their 10,000th surgery, which of those surgeons would you prefer to work with? Question one. Question two, which of them would you be more willing to pay more for? Surgeon one or surgeon two. In fact, you'd probably be asking the other guy who's on his first surgery, you're the first person he's going to cut open, right? And here's a scary thought. Every doctor has had somebody who's the first person they ever cut open. It's just that person, <laughs> right? And so you would probably ask that doctor to pay you. You wouldn't even want to do it, Right. Now, here's what's crazy is that the actual service itself is the same, but the perceived likelihood of achievement that you're going to get exactly what you want is much, much lower. And so as a result, so is the value. So that is the second variable. Our goal in business is to increase that as much as possible. We want to have a very desirable dream outcome, and we want to have a very high likelihood that they're going to achieve it, that they, that they perceive a very high likelihood. The second half of this equation is, the, is, the, is it's a fraction. So the denominator, the bottom part of the equation has two variables that are negatives, right? These detract from value. This is the time delay. So this is variable three, the time delay between when someone buys and when they achieve the outcome that they desire. So if you were able to swipe the credit card and then immediately have a six pack, that would be a very desirable service, which candidly is a lot like what sculpting and, and liposuction promise, right? Which is why they can charge $50,000 and you can barely get $99 a month, right? <laughs> because of time delay, it's a different element of value. And so the idea is how can we help someone achieve their goal faster? Now, you can't defy the laws of physics, but there are other things you can do along the way to help them see uh, indicators that they're on the right path. That's kind of the junior version of that, right? The fourth is, is a twofold, two sides of the same coin, is effort and sacrifice. Effort, as I define it, are things that you have to do that you do not want to do that you now must begin start doing as a result of this purchase. Sacrifice are the things that I like to do that I no longer get to do as a result of this purchase, right? And so I like to sleep in, but I have to work out in the morning, which means I sacrifice my mornings and I now have to use effort to get out of bed and show up, right? I might like to have ice cream and now I must sacrifice that and then also produce the effort of meal prepping and eating chicken, right? And that is effort, is willpower. And so when we're looking at all these variables, the goal is how can we decrease the bottom side of the equation, how can we decrease the time delay between when they buy and when they get what they want? How can we decrease the effort and sacrifice so they don't have to give up a lot of things, or at least they don't perceive that they're giving up a lot of things in order to get what they want with a high likelihood of achievement? And so those are the four variables that we look at when we're creating offers or really just creating products that people will want to buy. So good. So that, that, that value equation would, is, is for me like the, just such a, such a high, it's so, it's so simple to, to follow. You know, I think it's interesting, Alex, people listening, especially the fitness professionals, probably hear that last bit, the effort, the sacrifice, and some of them might go, well, so what you're saying is I've got to tell my clients that they're going to look amazing, get that bikini body, but not do any work. And some of them might even be sort of like that little trainer in them that, that doesn't want to, you know, make people think it's too easy is going off. I, I know from your, some of your sales frameworks from your other book, Gym Launch Secrets, another one I'd highly recommend, smash you a couple of times. You always talk about selling the, selling the holiday, not the flight sell the destination of the holiday and not the flight if you if you do have to sell something with some level of effort and sacrifice when you're actually closing the person 
is that is that kind of your way of thinking about like you just don't really dwell on the effort and sacrifice as much as you try to minimize it within your offer is that kind of how you normally look at that for someone again selling fitness doesn't want to bullshit people and say there's no effort involved here 100 percent. so there's think there's an important delineation that ha- delineation that has to be made the offer is not the pitch those are separate and so when we're creating things, services that someone will desire, we will create more value, which is what we were trying to provide, by making it easier for them. So if we can decrease the amount of effort and sacrifice, I'm not saying eliminate, but I'm saying decrease the amount of effort and sacrifice that they're going to experience, then we will have a more valuable product. For example, if someone, if you're like, well, you got to go eat healthy groceries, that's a lot of effort to try and figure that out. Now, if someone had a meal plan, and a grocery list that was catered to them, and it was already picked out at the grocery store in the local area that already had that stuff, or you had a relationship with the grocery store to say, oh, they're on the plan one and they have a pre-made cart for them, or you have an Instacart, I don't know if you guys have that, or you already have the app that already has all the groceries selected out for them, they can hit the hotkey on, all of a sudden, we've made something that would normally be hard easier. And so to, to, to talk to that personal trainer, so those of you who have that mindset, which by the way, you will literally never make money if that is your mindset. Um, <laughs> you can't have these knee-jerk responses. You have to think, how can I provide more value? If you think to yourself, well, they just have to toughen up, you will never be wealthy. And that's okay if, that's, if, that's, if you don't want that. That's okay. You know what I mean? But if you desire to help more people and you would like to expand your reach, and you actually want to help more people and not pretend to help more people so you can stand on your horse of dogmatic beliefs about why your way is better, but you actually want to help them, then you need to do the work for them as much of it as you possibly can. Now, do you think, that, like, can you do the push-ups for them? Absolutely not. Can you put the food in their mouths? Absolutely not. But can you increase the likelihood that they will be successful by putting them in an environment or condition where success would be more likely? Absolutely which is the reason that there are good teachers and there are bad teachers. You're not going to eliminate a bell curve, but you can move the median. You will still have people who do poorly and you will still have people do, who do extraordinarily well. But if you're an excellent teacher, which is what you should be if you're a coach here because you're trying to teach them a new lifestyle, you're going to be able to move it because you've effectively removed a lot of the friction in the process of transformation that you're trying to help them accomplish. So that is on the actual thing that we are providing. From a selling perspective, No one cares about the periodization, the workouts, the meal plans, any of that stuff. They just want to look a certain way. And they already came to you. So you just have to not fuck it up. (laughs) They would like to lose weight. You sell weight loss. What's the problem? Fundamentally, someone comes in to lose weight and you sell weight loss, it shouldn't be a hard conversation. And somehow people find a way to mess it up. You just, like, and this is why we created the closer framework. It's very, like, why are you here? Clarify why they're there. Closer is an acronym. So C-L-O-S-E-R. Clarify why they're there. I'm trying to lose weight. Awesome. Label them with a problem. So what I'm hearing is you'd like to lose weight. So what are you at right now? I'm at 210. Would you like to be at? 150. So you want to lose this much weight. Does that sound about right? Yes. So what have you done in the past? Oh, overview their past experiences and pain. Well, I did this and that didn't work. Huh, why didn't it work? Because I couldn't stick with it. Totally. What else have you tried? Blah, 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 blah. You go through the pain cycle. That must have been really hard for you. It totally was. Oh my gosh, right? And it's like, well, do you think that the reason that any of these weren't successful is because you didn't have fitness, nutrition, and accountability altogether, right? This thing you told me over here was just a diet plan, but then you lost muscle and then you gained the weight back, right? This one over here, you just went to the gym, but you didn't know what you're doing, right? So you never actually had a deficit, which is why you never lost weight. This one had both of those things, but no one ever called you, right? The only time they called you was when your credit card didn't go through. Am I right? Ha, ha, ha. Same jokes every time, right? And then it's like, oh, so if you have all three together, you can't fail, right? But from what I'm hearing, you've never had all three together. Does that sound about right? Yes. They just admitted that they've never had the thing that I'm about to sell you. Fantastic. Well, would you like to hear about the program? Sure. Well, I'm going to help you get the thing that you said you wanted to get. And you have the best likelihood of success if you do it with us because we've done this 100 times. So do you want to do that? Fair enough. What card do you want to use? Right. And then E and R is explain away their concerns and then reinforce the decision. Right. That's the closer framework. So you'll note that we talked pretty much exclusively about them. We asked only questions. And the only time that you ever say anything in a sale is a declarative statement. And those declarative statements are only when you get into the selling portion, which should be analogies for what they're going to experience. There's no other reason to actually say anything. You ask questions because the only way 
that we can change someone's beliefs is to ask questions and then allow them to come to the conclusions. So right now, if you talk all the time in your sales, that's why you're not closing, right? So you're just asking a series of questions, getting them to realize that they need to do this thing. Is this important to you? Would you, would you, do you think you'll be more or less likely to succeed if you had a coach who was standing by you this whole time? Are you more interested in long-term results or short-term, short-term fixes? I'm more long-term, like you seed what you want them to buy. And then when they say, what's the program about? You're like, well, you're going to work out. You're going to eat better. And we're going to get you the results you want. Fair enough. Great. We've never spent more than two minutes on the actual program because they don't care. They care about whether they trust you and whether they like you. And if that happens, then once they trust you and like you and they've exchanged money, then you can start teaching them the actual stuff. Let's take a quick break. Hey, Bar and Girl fans, it's Jim with Madhouse Bar Talk, where me and my co-hosts sit around and talk about the things going on around Madhouse Bar and Grill in Elyria, Ohio. The whole conversation is unscripted, uncensored, and unedited. Anywhere where you stream podcasts, just remember, Madhouse Bar Talks, baby! Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and that, that closer framework is fantastic, and is in uh, in Gym Launch Secrets book from Alex as well. Which again, if you're a fitness professional, if you don't have a gym, I mean, I think you've, I think you've mentioned people who don't have don't have gyms. Just that it's a good business book about gyms. It's how people like to say, but um, yeah, you'll make a lot of money from that closer framework um, as Alex has done with it. You know, actually, I got one more question on the fitness. I've, I want to shift gears slightly. Where do you where do you kind of see? Is there any serious trends? I guess you see in the fitness space, especially thinking about some of this value stuff. Because as you, as you just went through, just training with someone is not particularly high value. Um, and at least in where we're from here in, in Australia, there's there's gyms on every corner, and you know it's funny that that's not particularly appealing when you actually think about it. Um, what trends do you see? I guess in the in the fitness space, or maybe in person training in general, like with where things are going. I mean, in-person is going to have to increase in price and be premium because there's other alternatives that are remote that are increasingly valuable. Um, but fundamentally, I think that every every fitness professional needs to A, think of themselves as professionals and B, has to really write. I wrote a long kind of like opinion piece about this the other day and it got shared all over the internet. But um, you have to rise above the workout. You have to be their, their, they're basically their fitness or health concierge. So they're coming to you as, a, as an authority figure who can help them navigate all of the many things and all the different solutions that exist. It doesn't mean you have to occupy all, like you don't have to take everything, right? But you might say, hey, I want you to do two days a week of Peloton and then you're going to come here two days a week for strength training. And, uh, you know, these are the, you know, this is what you're going to follow nutrition wise and these are the supplements I want you to take. But like they're coming to you rather than like, and then you provide value in that you, decrease the time delay and the effort and sacrifice that they have to get to their goal by recommending the best things that will help them get there. And you do that ethically, right? If, and this is, I mean, this is just an overarching issue is that bodybuilders train people like bodybuilders, powerlifters train people like powerlifters, people who like functional fitness train people like functional fitness. When the reality is that we just have to find a way to get Susie to not eat crap and move, right? Because that's <laughs> the vast majority of who we're dealing with, which is general population. So we have to be asking questions like, what is the thing that will be the highest likelihood that she will stick with? right? What is something that she actually enjoys? If Susie likes Zumba and she's actually likely to stick with Zumba for 40 years, then I'm going to recommend she does Zumba. Even if it's not ideal for body composition in terms of gaining muscle mass and, and losing fat, if she does my strength training for eight weeks and then stops, who cares? Great. She was semi less out of shape for eight weeks. Who cares? And so I think we have to ask better questions, which is, in what way can we serve Susie so that I actually fulfill my promises, which is that I'm going to help her be fit for life for good, which takes into account her individual preferences, which at the end of the day is going to be the thing that's going to reign this. And if you do take those individual preferences into consideration and let her keep her autonomy in her decision-making process, then she will be more likely to like the outcome of the decision because she feels like she was participating in it and she feels like it was for her which then also spells out higher lifetime values, more re repeat business, et cetera, because now she's sticking to something that she can actually do. And I would be happy to have someone lose at one quarter the rate and never leave because I know that on a long enough time horizon, I will get Susie to her goal. Now, if two years from now, she's like, you know what? I'm at the weight that I wanted to be at, but I don't look the way I want to look. Then maybe I've earned her trust in saying, hey, let's try these things. 
If you like them, we will continue because this is better in terms of your goal now. But her initial goal is to not look like Alex. Her initial goal is to stop looking the way she looks now. Mm. I, I love that. That's, that's, yeah, it's a real good spin on, on, you know, your standard PT and stuff and, and where it's going. And on some level, it's more scalable. If they're paying for the, for the advice and the insight of what to do, it's actually more scalable than standing there counting the reps, you know, three times a week if you're actually providing value in a sense of let me, let me concierge, you know, what you need to do. So, yeah. It's, because it's, what happens is you're shifting from basically a servant to being an authority, the dynamic of the relationship shifts because then now they're coming for you for advice and they're not banging on you, you know, to, like you said, count their reps. One is a very, very low value service. It's not, it's not valuable to just stand there, right? It's much more valuable to provide accountability to get them to show up to somebody else's gym. I could say, go sign up for the bootcamp for 99 bucks a month and pay me $500 a month. And I'll make sure gyms you make money. And that's a cool course. Right. And I'll make sure that you make, that you actually go. Cause that is more valuable than the, the value that the gym is providing. How ironic. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's funny the shift in, in the last 10, 20 years and, in training and stuff, thinking about that. But yeah, there's, a, there's gyms and PTs on every corner. Do you have any questions on that, Claudio? Or? No, I'm being quiet because I'm absorbing all of it. So thank you, David, for running the podcast. My mind like a, moment. Um, You're like, I am not a servant anymore, writing it down, affirmations. Yeah. But, um, I, I, I think anybody who's done personal training understands what I mean. It's, uh, it's hard. And you're a therapist that's underpaid. Right? Like, yeah, it's not, you know, it's an exhausting business and you're trading time for dollars and it's just not a, it's not a good way to build wealth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's a really good thought process as, as a lot of local listening group training. I've got two group training gyms and, you know, trying to, trying to evolve, trying to provide more value you know, within that. And, and some are a big part of, of that as, as because it's, only, it's like, you've got to go past just, all right, we do meal plans. We do like that stuff increases value, like you've said, but, trying to, to look at the, you know, keep taking extra steps on how the value is provided. Um, so I've just come to the gym, we do nutrition, we can, you know, we can do keep a little bit accountable. There's, there's more depth to, to that game. Um, super cool. I, I had a question, a little bit shifting gears, Alex, that I find interesting. And, and it comes back to your story a little bit. Um, so I know you've, you told the story very briefly at the start. Um, yeah, I might even clarify this. You, Russell Brunson was a huge influence for you. And I believe he was the one who kind of said to you, I think it was, you're too good to be doing this gym thing. You should be teaching people how to do this gym thing. Is that, is that correct? So was yeah, that, yeah. was that, just so I got my timeline, is that before you started doing gym turnarounds in person? Was that the impetus to go, you know what, I'm going to go to Jeff's gym and, and sell for him? Or was that somewhat after? It was around the same time. I honestly can't remember what the, the chicken or the egg was. Gotcha. I think, you know what, I actually, that's not true. Um, Honestly, I think it was like kind of at the same time and it was somewhat confirming. Um, but the actual words he said is you have a level 10 skill set and a level two opportunity. That was what he said. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, that was the wording. And he said, you shouldn't be doing this. You should be teaching people how to do it. That was like the two sentences that he said to me that, that, that was worth everything that I've ever, that was, I mean, <laughs> it changed the direction of, of, of my, For sure. because I was, I was planning on, I had the next, the next four locations picked out. So I was going to have 10 locations. Um, and he was like, that sounds horrible. And I was like, wow. <laughs> what? Yeah. Right. What I, what I would love to get you, like some things you talk about people who, who, who jump niches and they're trying to find that golden goose that just once they find the right niche, it's going to work for me. And they jump around and reality is they'd all work if they just put the focus and time and effort into it. Hearing that story from what Russell said, it was almost like, um, you know, Russell identified that you have a, a like you said, a, a level two opportunity and there were better opportunities out there. How do you think about like, would you say there are businesses or opportunities that are inherently, you know, quote unquote better or it's still like everything works. So, you know, stick to one. Like that, that's where I, I find interesting. Yeah. So here's, okay. So this is, this is a good delineation. This is a great question. So, there are absolutely businesses that have better opportunities and that's because they have more leverage and more unit economics. And so what I mean by that is that one person can do a lot more and generate a lot more revenue and by unit economics. I mean, for every product that I sell, there's more margin by percentage. Right. And so for example, given the thing that I was just explaining, if I said, I'm going to go to all these gyms and say, I will provide accountability. I'm an accountability coach. So I will bolt myself onto every single gym in my area and say, I'm not going to interfere with anything of your training. I'm just going to make sure they do it. 
That's it. I will provide nothing else besides getting them to do it. Far more scalable, far more valuable, better unit economics, and I have limitless lead flow. Great idea, right? Why haven't I done this, Alex? I don't know. You should do it. Um, and so if you compare that to working and counting reps, it's just look at the hours. It's like, well, if I max out at eight hours a day and I charge $100 an hour, I can make $800 a day and literally not live. Or, right, I might be able to have 300 clients that I just do accountability for and I probably could charge them $400 a month for accountability, right? And make $120,000 a month and have no employees <laughs> and do it for my pajamas, <laughs> right? So I'm making in yeah. a month what I used to make in a year. So... Yes, there's absolutely better opportunities. Now, the point of the niche slapping thing is that, so I, there's a different video that's the, the perfect business model, um, which, which basically incorporates what I just said. It's happy performing. It's got high margins. It's sticky, all that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. Um, which the one I just talked about is much more aligned with the perfect business model compared to the one we just, the personal training model. Um, the idea is if you had two businesses that had identical kind of criteria matching, you just need to pick one. That's the idea. And so what happens is, and that, that was because our software company deals with agencies. They're, they all have, they're running the same model, but they're trying to think, oh, it's going to be chiropractors that's going to hit, or it's going to be dentists, it's going to be whatever, right? And so they think it's the niche when yep. the reality is that all of them could work, but none of them will work unless you only pick one and then commit to it. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's mm -hmm. kind of where that comes in. Now, for like a, a, a trainer... Um, the idea would be like, well, I think I'm going to do busy moms. Actually, I want to do executives. Actually, I want to, you know what I mean? So that's where it's like, you could make either of them work. It doesn't really matter within the context of the original model. Now, if you have multiple business models, like that's one where you want to have some good kind of decision-making criteria, which is how much leverage do I have, right? Like how, how defensible is this model? How sticky is the model? What are my, what are my margins per unit sold? And then I would be able to analyze both and say, okay, I think this is a, this is a better model model. But is the offer that matches this model compelling? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm, of course. So that's, why I, that's why that's the first book that I wrote is around the offer because you can't, I can't even talk about sales. I can't talk about lead gen. I can't talk about increasing lifetime value per customer until we actually get something people want. And so the best way to do that is get the offer right first. Once you get the offer right, then the rest of the, the, rest of the puzzles kind of fall from there. Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, yeah, such a good delineation and um, a, little, a little bit almost selfish question. Like, I'm, that's something I've been very personally curious about when I first heard you talk about it. What, um, yeah. like, last thing on that. Good question. Super la good question. Last, last thing on that, I guess, is like, let's, uh, you got a business, it's doing fairly well. You see a business that has better everything you just talked about, margins, you know, economics, da 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 da. How do you, how do you think about like, because people say stick with one thing and focus and da 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 da. How do you sort of go, am I, quitting something that would work if I stuck to it longer or am I just being savvy and noticing an opportunity that has better everything like we just talked about and therefore I'm going to I'm going to make that pivot and go and go hard in it I know it's a bit of a, a tricky question it's probably very individual to the to the person and the opportunities but it's something I've thought about because I've run gyms for six years but also been around yeah. the internet space and seen the difference in margins and how much further cool. your dollars go if you're you know consulting for someone as opposed to they come to the gym and you pay your rent every month. Um, any thoughts on, yeah, breaking that down? So I think it's a really good question. The hardest thing in entrepreneurship is, in my opinion, the single hardest decision that exists in entrepreneurship is to know when to quit. Because it takes every ounce of character traits to persevere and quit your job and decide to become an entrepreneur and kind of go in that direction, right? But... There is, so there is a point where you're pursuing something that should stop, that should no longer be pursued because the opportunity cost of the time is too great, right? But the hard part is, how do you discern that? <laughs> and then I think, and that's why my greatest wish in life is to be, you know, is to be wise, you know, is to have good judgment. Um, and it's incredibly difficult. It really is. I think it, it's, it's, it's a super hard question. And part of the issue is that what you're seeing most of the time is what you perceive to be better. And so it's the grass is greener fallacy, which is you think that this part is better, but every business has shit, right? When you get to the other side, you realize it's just covered in manure, right? And that's why the grass is so green. And so all businesses have problems. And so I think the way that Layla and I like to think through things is which problems am I trading? 
I'm trading, I'm trading these problems for those problems. So I'll tell you what the problems are in the internet business. It's very difficult to sell. There's not a lot of trust. Legion can be very difficult. Cost of acquisition is high, right? You deal with the fact that you're always going to get slammed, but you don't really have to deal with that as a small business owner in a local market. Legion's not that hard. Selling's not that hard in a local market. And if you're like, oh, well, it's kind of hard to sell. It's like, we'll sell over the phone and try and sell cars to people who've never met you before. It's a little different, right? <laughs> and so, there, so the question is, which problems would I prefer? And if you can yeah. pick that, you're like, well, I like this set of problems. Now, if you can't think of problems, then it means you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Jump in the gun. For real. Yeah. Because if you're, looking, yeah. Yeah, if you're looking at another thing that you really want to quit and go all in on, then you have to understand what the problems are. And so for me, I would then say, okay, well, I'll interview 10 guys who have the type of business that I want and ask them what are all the things they hate. And then they can tell me all the things they hate. And then, it, and then if at that point I'm like, you know what, I'm, I would prefer to hate those things than the things I hate now, then you can go do that, right? Um, but yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent question. I mean, at what point is the opportunity? And the thing is, is that in, in the entrepreneurial journey, the biggest cost we all have is the opportunity cost of our time of where could I allocate my effort, resources, and capital and skills in a different vehicle to get an outsized return. And so I did make the jump that we're talking about and I sold my six gyms for not a ton of money because when I started doing these launches, it, it, the skill sets that I had with that opportunity was better. But I think what ends up happening is that most people try and do both and say, well, I'm going to get this one going and then once this one's going, then I'll turn this one off. And it doesn't work that way. Mm. You have to go all out. And I don't want to say have to because there's always exceptions, right? But the vast majority of people do not have the bandwidth yeah. to do two things. Focus on one thing, say no to opportunity. Yeah, yeah. Not to do them well. But yeah. All right. Um, That's amazing. So we're coming to the end of the podcast. I want to respect your time, Alex. Thank you so much um, for being on the podcast. So we talked, talked about the book a little bit. Um, so for everyone listening, guys, Alex actually just launched a new book. It's called $100 Million Offers. I'm going to actually put the link in the podcast bio. Um, where is the best place for people to find you? Is it through Facebook? Is it through Instagram? So yeah, so, there's a, so if you're a fitness professional, candidly, you should just get the, the, the gym book. Um, I think it's best serving. It's free. You just cover shipping. You can go to alexsbook.com or you can search it on Amazon. Um, which is called Gym Launch Secrets. And it's everything you need about how to set up your, how to set up the sale, what pre questions to have, how to retain customers, like everything that we've learned at that point. I think we had 2000 gyms that we had serviced and I, from talking to the top 1% of gym owners. So everything in that book is not my findings, the findings of every single gym that we have worked with and only talking to the 1% of each of those categories and, and distilling that information into a book, we give it away for free. All right, so for me to help you, that is the, the easiest thing that, I, that we can do. Um, and you can get that at alexisbook.com or you can go to the, go to Amazon. Um, the second book is if you want to be a little bit more innovative and you really want to create something that's unique and different, then, um, hundred million dollar offers, uh, is, I don't know, five hundred five star reviews. Like I, I think it's decent. Um, and, uh, I think it'll help you, uh, understand value and how to charge premium prices in a much better way, which is what the point of that book is. Amazing. So I'll link that down in the bio. Um, First one's free, the second one's 99 cents. I'm sure everyone can invest a dollar into their personal development. Thank you so much, Alex, for having us. I think, I think you had me, so uh, I appreciate it. It's 5 a.m. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Thanks so, it's all good. so much, Alex, for being here. You, you guys are great. Thank you so much for having me. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening. If you liked this show, share it with your friends, subscribe on iTunes, and leave us a five-star review. For show notes and free training on how to grow your fitness business, visit www.fitnesseducationonline.com.au. Are you a fitness professional looking to provide your clients with personalized meal plans? Well, check out Mealsy, the ultimate solution for creating custom meal plans in just a few simple clicks. With Mealsy, you can say goodbye to countless hours spent on meal planning. Our Australian meal planning web app is designed to save you time and effort. 
so you can focus on what really matters, your clients and their success. Mealsy provides you with a vast library of recipes, all created by nutrition professionals. From breakfast to dinner and everything in between, we've got you covered. Whether you want to create a custom meal plan tailored to your client's needs or choose from our selection of ready-made meal plans, Mealsy has the flexibility to accommodate your preferences. So why waste precious time and energy creating meal plans from scratch? Let Mealsy do the heavy lifting for you or you focus on delivering exceptional fitness services. Join the community of fitness professionals who have revolutionized their business with Mealsy. Visit our website at www.mealsy.com and sign up today. Mealsy, the smarter way to meal plan for fitness professionals.